Hey everyone, welcome to Eerie Earfuls, spreading the gospel of he who walks behind the rose. Every two weeks we choose a horror movie double feature to compare and contrast for your entertainment. Fair warning, there will usually be spoilers. I'm Justin. And I'm Brandon. And uh, this week there will be probably some light spoilers. We're going to try and, I think, as little as possible to avoid spoilers for this particular episode, but we're not comparing movies this week uh, in honor of the Halloween season this should be going up on the first day of October, so we're actually going to be uh, playing a little bit of uh, a couple games and just sort of celebrating the holiday, the the Halloween season. So um, we're we're gonna make a list of the 31 days of October. We're gonna go through the list to pick out a movie per day based on this list that we found online. I think I actually got it off of the Scream 101 uh, Twitter feed from last year. Um, yeah. So shout out to Scream 101 for allowing us to steal their shit. <laughs> so I figure we'll go through the list. Uh, it'll be more of a freewheeling discussion this episode than it will be as much an in-depth analysis. But you know, we figured it would be fun to sort of take take a week off and just just uh, sort of talk about movies in general instead of really going deep on something as we prepare for the Halloween season. All right, so we're just going to start going down the list. Each uh, what what we're doing is this list that we have is usually picking uh, a movie based on some criteria. There's a few places where it, uh, it on that day it doesn't specify to pick a movie. It just asks for like your favorite character or something like that. And so for those, we decided we would pick a movie that featured that character, especially if that character is in more than one movie. So we'll, we'll have, at the end of this, a movie per day that if you were so inclined, you could watch each day in, in October to have your 31 Days of October list. So, day one, your first horror movie. Why don't you go ahead and start? All right. So, day one, first horror movie, I put Scream. That came out in 1996. It came out on video in 1997, right? Mm. So how old were you? Uh, I was about to start kindergarten. I didn't realize you were that young whenever we watched them. Well, no, that's not when we watched them. Uh, We watched them, I was in like third grade when we watched them but that was when they came out <clears throat> oh that's what i meant is when how old were you when you first watched it oh yeah it was like third grade uh, and it's the first horror movie uh I, I you know as i've said before in like the first episode or whatever it's the first horror movie that i can ever remember enjoying and not really being scared by and it you know made me i guess realize that horror can be equal parts scary and fun and that's what it's supposed to be for me it was a good jumping off point it holds a special place in my heart. For mine, I had a really difficult time with this particular question. I think maybe Scream might have been my first one as well, but I also have vague memories of watching the entire Puppet Master series, and I was oh, yeah. really, really young when I watched that. <laughs> I, I went through all of them that were available at the time. I know that more have come out since then, but I went through at least five or six of them. So I would argue that my first horror movie was Terminator, even though it's like a sci-fi movie, has a very gritty horror feel to it. It has sort of a monster movie formula. There's a monster disguised in human skin that chases an innocent woman across the city. The monster's sort of disguise degrades throughout the movie, so by the end, he's like a literal skeletal monster. So the best I can come up with is The Terminator, and then beyond that, probably Scream. Copycat. (laughs) (laughs) That was a tough one, though, so... Yeah, that was that was the tough one. The rest of them, with the exception of like one or two, I was able to blitz through pretty quickly. But that one was a really tough one. All right, so day two, 
the last horror movie you saw in theaters? Well, for me, it's been a while because I don't go to the movies very often. But the last horror movie that I saw in theaters was Hereditary. And I liked it very much. I would totally be willing to watch it again. Uh, For me, it was The Nun. And it was Day Before Yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Was that good? It's pretty good. It's good in a dumb way. It felt, at times, a lot like a Sam Raimi movie. Like, it almost felt, in some ways, like a sequel to, to Drag Me to Hell, or like a, <laughs> like a spiritual sequel to Drag Me to Hell, because the director did a lot of those, like, tracking shots and, like, the twisting camera things that Sam Raimi does. Oh, yeah. There was a fair amount of humor. There were a couple characters that were introduced that, that were, like, they weren't funny, and, like, uh, every now and then they said something funny. They were genuinely, like funny characters, charismatic, fun characters, almost felt like it would have been played by Bruce Campbell if it had come out before, or like Justin Long. It felt kind of like Justin Long's character, how Justin Long has that dry sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Number three, favorite classic horror movie. This one was really hard for me because there was a whole bunch of horror movies that I loved as a kid. And I was going to put this movie as my first horror movie because technically it was because I watched it in like first grade or whatever. But I wanted to put it here because it's still my favorite classic horror movie. And that's Frankenstein from 1931. Heck yeah. (laughs) Same thing for me. (laughs) Favorite classic movie, Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein. It's so good. Even now when I can laugh at its flaws and its goofy, strange moments, it's still so good. And I almost put Bride of Frankenstein because it's even better. But I was like, nah. My there's original a, there's love just something was about the original. Yeah. It's just something about the charm. All... It was my first classic Monsters movie. Oh, so good. And it was my idea to watch it. So it was. That... I believe I thought you were dumb yes. for renting an old black and white movie. You sure did. And then you were like, this is great. And then we both went through basically like the whole Universal Monsters classic collection. So, day four. A movie that you thought you'd love, but didn't. Yeah, why don't you go first on that one? (laughs) Okay, so I actually had several. Um, I go see movies in the theater a lot. (laughs) Yes, and you do watch a lot of horror movies. I watch a lot of horror movies in the theater, and I don't go to them if I think that they're going to be dumb, or if I think they're going to be dumb when I go to them, I have very different expectations. But the one I ultimately ended up picking with is Flatliners. Oh, the remake? Because, yes. Okay. It felt really toothless. It felt like there was a draft of the script where things were supposed to happen differently and much darker, and then somebody in the studio got sweaty about it and made them rewrite it to where ultimately it feels like there are no stakes. It felt extremely defanged. And so several times throughout the movie, spooky stuff would happen when they revealed ultimately what's going on I just wanted to scream. It felt like they pulled their punches at the last minute to make this sort of flaccid, weak, watered-down version. And so, like, when I left, I was like, man, I kind of want to watch the original because I'm curious to know why anyone felt like this needed to be remade in the first place because this one sucked. I got I got angrier as I left. Like, I started okay. I was like, I mean, that was fine. I guess. And then by the time I got home, just talking with my wife about it, by the time I got home, I was like raging about it. I picked a movie that I just can't get behind. And that's Sleepaway Camp. 
because I had heard a whole bunch of people talk about it and they were like, oh, it's great. You know, it's one of those really goofy, campy, you know, slasher movie kind of things. And I was like, oh, cool. I could get behind this. And I did not because I thought it was boring. And the death sequences I wasn't a huge fan of. And it was really slow between all that. And and then at the end, the big ending was... Spoilers for a very, very old movie. Turns out that the girl who's been killing these people the whole time, Angela, isn't that her name, Angela? Yeah, Angela. And it uh, turns out that she's actually a boy, but... I don't well, know. I would argue that the correct phrasing of that is, the killer has a penis. Oh, okay. There were two brothers, and one of well, them. Well, there was died. a brother and a sister. Oh. One of the the uh, one of them that they don't show what, but one of them dies in a boating accident. Mm-hmm. But they don't show who actually died. It just shows that the boat runs toward them, and one of them dies. Right. We are led to assume that it's this the brother that died, and that the sister survived because right. Angela is a girl. But what actually happened was that the sister died. And then the mom kind of went crazy and started dressing the brother up as a girl because she always wanted a little girl and calling her Angela and all this other stuff. And so basically, like, had been, I don't know, brainwashed into being convinced that she was a girl, and but she still had a penis and was very, <sighs> I guess, uh, I don't know, it was weird. And I didn't like it because I was like, because it it plays on that trope that a lot of movies do and sometimes horror movies do that like trans people are bad or scary or there's something wrong with them. And that's not the case at all. And I didn't like that, even though I got it, you know, from like, like from the time that it was made, it was a very normal thing to think, I guess, but that's not the case anymore. And I, I was mean, like, it's, that's it's still, not a, that trope I mean, is still fucked up. Yeah. And I, I just don't like, that's not how, you know, trans people, uh, that's not how they're created for lack of a better word, you know, like that's not how they evolve or whatever. Day five, favorite horror remake. All right. This was a tough one. For me, because there are not very many horror remakes that I like. But the one that I ended up going with um, is almost sacrilegious for me, because I love the original so much. But I also really enjoyed the remake. And the one that I ended up going with was The Wolfman from 2010. Ooh. Yeah. Curveball. Yeah. And it's because it really, I thought, anyway, it's been a long time since I've seen the movie, but it had a really good cast. It had Benicio Del Toro and Anthony Hopkins and... um, And Hugo Weaving. Oh, yeah. And Del Toro uh, plays Lawrence Talbot and Anthony Hopkins plays his dad. And it's much more of a period piece than the original. And so it it captures that atmosphere very well. Um, There's some really interesting, like, you know, werewolf massacre scenes that are really tense, and you have a score from Danny Elfman, which is really good. And then there's, like, a big twist at the end, because, you know, in the at the end of the original Wolfman, uh, Lawrence's father goes out and tries to, you know, kill the wolf, and he ends up doing so, and then he, you know... Spoiler, the, spoiler, spoiler, yeah, spoiler, spoiler. The wolf, you know, changes back into Lawrence, and he realizes that he killed his own son. And the remake... Kind of flips, spoilers, 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 yes, spoilers, spoilers. Kind of flips that on its head, 
And you end up finding out that the wolf that bit him, that bit Lawrence, that made him transform, is his dad. And so he has to figure out what he is going to do with his dad now, you know? Like, should he kill him or should he keep him locked up? It's very interesting. I liked it a lot. People shit on it because, uh, I guess, because of that reason. Uh, they it was a little bit slow at times. And it was a little bit, but it was also, you know, more of a period piece. So it was, you know, more atmosphere, more gothic kind of stuff. And it was, you know, very cool. Uh, I went with the Evil Dead remake, which, one, it came out in a time where we did not see R-rated horror movies very often. It was just a glut of, like, supernatural PG-13 movies, which were all very, like, jump-scare heavy, and we had just come out of a very heavy, like, found-footage era as well. Yeah. So, the Evil Dead remake was, like, bloody as shit, and vulgar, and, and violent, and, but it wasn't just that, it was really good. Like, it took sort of the original premise of the Evil Dead movies, and it kind of played with it, where Jane Levy's character was sort of... Uh, sort of Ash, but then her brother at times was also sort of Ash. And, and like, I, I don't know. I just dug the hell out of it. Uh, number six, favorite vampire movie. This one was tough for me because I realized I haven't seen a lot of vampire movies. I thought that I had. They were everywhere in the 90s, but I apparently <laughs> didn't watch many of them. So uh, I went with Salem's Lot. Nice. Which is, I guess, kind of a cheat. It's long, and it's kind of more of a TV miniseries, but... They did a theatrical release of it, though. Did it? Yeah. Well, good for it. (laughs) Uh, That's the reason I picked Salem's Lot, is because I'm a sucker for exactly the type of vampire that Stephen King was going for. I love the way he blended the sort of visceral violence of the EC Comics vampires and the stuff that would eventually come about more in the, the Lost Boys and the 80s vampire movies. And the sort of old world, slow, classic, gothic vampires of like Dracula and the way he mended, melded those together in Salem's Lot is, was great for me. And so mm-hmm. seeing the movie and seeing like the, the, the boy, I love the scene where the boy comes to the window and scratches and like tries to get his friend to invite him in. Like vampires that like crawl along the walls like cockroaches and like, and like are more feral have their place, but it's that slow, enticing like being glamoured and the the oh why don't you let me in those are my favorite vampires mm-hmm. favorite vampire movie for me was also a curveball because um i was going to pick 1931's dracula but i realized that i had watched a vampire movie more recently that i liked a lot a lot because it was just different and really engaging and I just, you know, enjoyed watching it the entire time, which I cannot say for the original Dracula because I did like it as a kid, but there are, you know, long stretches where it's kind of boring and atmospheric. But uh, the one that I ended up going with was The Descent, and I watched it Hmm. uh, not very long ago, a few months ago, and it's so good. And it's such an interesting concept, and it should have made sense you know, logically, because uh, vampires turn into bats, and bats naturally live in caves, and so the connection seems very logical, but I never would have connected the two until The Descent came out, and it's just fascinating, and it fits so well, you know, because vampires can't stand the light, and 
all this other that stuff. That is and so, so interesting. I know. And so it's perfect. You know, it's the perfect setting. It's never light down there. And they're just like bats in the fact that they kind of crawl along and use echolocation, you know, and, and so they can't really see because their eyes are all filmed over and gross, but they find you by sound. And since sound is, travels so far in a cave, those people get picked off really fast. So here's um, the thing. It's so good. I would never have pegged that as a vampire movie. Holy crap. <laughs> like, you kind of blew my mind. <laughs> I mean... I've seen it. I loved it. But I was, I took that as a monster movie, not as a vampire movie. So now I'm kind of freaking out right now. <laughs> I mean, they are. Like, you know, they eat... In, like, that they're uh, you know. bat people. Yeah. Like, I would have never, like, uh, I immediately thought vampires, like Dracula and, like, the Lost Boys and stuff, uh, your, your true bloods. I never would have thought of, like, bat people. Like, <laughs> blowing my mind, man. <laughs> the only thing is they can't fly, but, I mean, they're just, uh, you know, it's very much like the Mr. Barlow character from the Salem's Lot from the 70s, you know, is very, like, creepy and has, you know, it, it, it is very animalistic, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so it's, it's a complete departure from traditional vampire tropes, but I loved it so much. It's such a good movie. So tense, good story. It's just so good. Day seven, a horror movie you think no one has seen. That was a really hard one for me because all of the horror movies I have ever seen, or most of them are because somebody told me to watch them. And so obviously you can't be like, no one has seen this because somebody told me to watch it, which meant somebody watched it before me. Well, I um, mean, someone has always watched true. something and that's how the movie got made. But I think the idea is that what's an obscure horror movie right. one that more people should know about, basically. Right. And for that, I picked a Hammer horror movie called Night Creatures. And if you've ever watched John Carpenter's The Fog, it's very, very similar in concept. There's like a town, a seaside town, that's being terrorized by these ghosts in the fog. It's it's on the anniversary of, you know, when the town did something shitty. And uh, it's very similar in Night Creatures, like the priest has a secret. Spoiler, 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 spoilers. And it turns out, like, he was involved in killing this pirate guy, and or maybe his ancestors were, I don't really remember. It's not quite as good as The Fog for me, because it's a little slower, and, you know, it's like a Hammer Horror movie, so it's just a little slower and more atmospheric, and, and there's That's like That's kind little... of crazy, because most people criticize The Fog for being too slow. I know. Night Creatures was more slow, um, and it's kind of cheesy, but I think it's good, and it has a really good score. And it's like a period piece. It takes place in like the 1790s, and so, and it's got Peter Cushing in it. So obviously, I mean, you should watch good. it. Yeah, because Peter Cushing's in it, and he plays the priest, and he's just very oozes charm. And so, it's very reminiscent of the Fog, but I don't think a lot of people have watched it. And if you, you know, want to watch a Hammer horror movie that's not like Dracula or something like that, I would give it a shot. The horror movie that I went with. Uh, a horror movie that no one has seen. I went with a movie from 2009 called Grace. I wouldn't say it's the greatest movie I've seen. Uh, it didn't rock my world by any means. But it's one of those movies that's always sort of stuck with me. Um, we thought it was odd. And we just kind of, every now and then, we'd be like, Hey, remember that movie we watched? And uh, so it's about a, or a woman and her husband who are trying to get pregnant. They, they've tried several times and they could never quite successfully get pregnant. And then they finally do get 
and the film starts. It has sort of a, a Babadook setup in that the two of them are driving along and then they have a car accident and the woman's husband dies and the woman gets like smashed against a tree and so her child is definitely dead. But she insists, even though the doctors, they, they want to perform an operation to remove the baby, but she insists on carrying the baby to term anyway. The baby was almost to term whenever it died and so she insists on carrying it to term and as expected when she goes into labor it's stillborn but she manages to sort of like will it back to life and um she's like holding the baby and crying and everyone's kind of uncomfortable and no one wants to like take her away but she just sort of like holds the baby and just is like come on live and it, the baby does it lives and so she names it grace but when she gets it home a couple weird things start happening one it starts attracting flies and it stinks, even though, like, it doesn't have a soiled diaper. Flies just keep getting attracted to it. And then the first time that she breastfeeds it, or or maybe not the first time, but it, when, when she starts breastfeeding it, it, like, bites her and starts drinking her blood. Yeah. And it sort of just gets sort of darker and weirder from there. Uh, it's very much a movie about the sort of sacrifices of motherhood and the way that motherhood can be uh, a drain on a woman's health mm -hmm. and and resources and it was just it, it wasn't amazing but it was pretty good and it kind of stuck with me for a while it's one of them that i've got like on my list of like try to find a pair with this to bring it onto the show <laughs> at some point because I'd, I'd love to do it day eight favorite foreign horror movie this is another one where i thought that you would have a much better time with this than i would <laughs> because i haven't seen very many foreign horror movies but the one that i ultimately ended up going with is one that's probably on a lot of people's lists and that's pan's labyrinth oh good choice it's so good it's got all the Guillermo del Toro monsters that you love that are, like, creepy, but also, like, really fascinating to look at, you know? And the story's really good and engaging. It's like a wartime story, and ugh, so good. Uh, for mine, I went with Goodnight Mommy. <laughs> Another good choice. It's, uh, it, it's fucked up and dark. It's about uh, two boys whose mom comes back from having some sort of plastic surgery, some sort of reconstructive surgery, and they become convinced that she's not really their mom, that she's been swapped out with some sort of imposter. And it gets dark. Mm -hmm. It gets weird. It's another story about how motherhood kind of blows. And honestly, I don't know why anyone does it. <laughs> yeah. Number nine. Favorite supernatural movie. This one gave me fits because supernatural is a super broad category that's like three quarters of the horror genre is supernatural do you want hauntings do you want demons do you mean magic which is what does supernatural mean i had a hard time pinning it down but i decided to just go with one of my favorite horror movies and that is pet cemetery nice <clears throat> i love pet cemetery that's a good one there are people who hate on pet cemetery and they're allowed to be wrong <laughs> I'm kidding, but I do love Pet Cemetery. I even love Pascal, even though people always hate on Pascal because he's sort of a tacked-on character that's not really in the book. I love Fred Gwynn playing Judd. Uh, oh, yeah. The, Sometimes dead is better. Like, I, lo I love it. I love the creepy little kid with his, like, ha-ha-ha-ha laugh at the end. I, I just love that movie. And that whole, uh, the, like, sister lady that's, like, in the attic or something. Zelda, yeah. Ugh creepy so for my favorite supernatural horror movie 
Um, I also had a tough time. I was trying to pick something unique, you know, but I ultimately wanted to go with one that was supernatural, but one that I had a lot of fun watching and still enjoy watching. So I ended up going with Dead Silence. Oh, good one. And it's just really good. I like it. And it's uh it's 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 the first movie that um James Wan. Yes. It's the first movie that James Wan and the other guy that wrote saw. Lee Winnell. Yes. So, it's the first thanks for feeding me all the information. So, it's the first movie <laughs> that uh James Wan and Lee Winnell did together after the first Saw movie, I believe, because the studio they really wanted something because Saw was just this huge thing. So they were like, we gotta have something, we gotta have something. And then James Wan, he already has a thing with creepy puppets. And so this movie, Dead Silence, is just James Wan's creepy puppet fetish on overload because there are so (laughs) many creepy puppets in this movie it's about a lady named mary shaw and she didn't have any children and i'm gonna try to refrain from going into the rhyme because there's a whole rhyme that factors into the movie (laughs) anyway she didn't have any children but she was also a very talented ventriloquist and so she had all of these ventriloquist dolls and they were like her children and each one had its own voice and its own personality and so it's just really creepy and atmospheric and kind of like a murder mystery and and it's I liked it a lot. People shit on it because it was I don't know. I guess it was like their second attempt at something and and it, they didn't it's a really like bit it. weird at times. Yeah, they didn't really like it after they made it because they felt like it was rushed, you know, and put together and they didn't have fun filming it because they were trying to match the success of Sod, so they were like stressing themselves out. But I still like it a lot and I think it's really good and creepy. Day 10, a horror movie everyone loves but you don't. This was really easy for me. I picked Friday the 13th, the original, because everybody loves that movie, and I understand why they love that movie. It sets up an entire franchise that's very beloved and all that stuff. It is also a very boring movie, and there's not a lot of good kills that I can remember. The The most interesting one that I can remember is when Kevin Bacon gets that spear thing through his neck. And then the rest are just kind of like, eh. And then there's that whole extended fight between Jason's mom and that girl. And it goes on for so long and it's not well choreographed. So it's like a boring fight to watch because you're like, okay, at this point, somebody do something. Like, I just, I don't care who (laughs) dies. Just do something because they're just, it's just a a lot of stumbling around and grunting. Uh, But Mm -hmm. anyway. Uh, everybody loves that movie, and I understand it's got a surprise ending, it's got a great soundtrack, but it's ultimately very boring. One that everyone loves, but I don't? Hatchet. I don't get Hatchet. Victor Crowley, who is the name of the, the killer in Hatchet, is meant to be, basically, Jason. Like, he's like a zombie-esque killer who died because his dad accidentally killed his son. He was trying to axe the door open, and he, he, like, hatcheted his son in the head. And so Victor Crowley keeps, like, waking up every year at a certain time and, like, killing people. Hmm. The movie is dumb. (laughs) It's cheap. And it's trashy in a way that I don't find enjoyable. One of the guys plays, like, a porn producer, and Hmm. so periodically he'll just, like, turn around and go, all right, girl, show me some tits, and then they'll, like lift their shirts up and go, woo! And he's making, like, a Girls Gone Wild video, but, like, with actresses instead of with, like, random people. And, like, it just felt like an excuse to occasionally get boobs in the movie. Come on. It was just really irritating, and I kept, like, grinding my teeth. 
and I, I kept waiting for it to be like enjoyable and I, I just never liked it. it it never won me over it was always just a little bit too winking mm-hmm. I, I feel like a lot of movies that try to recapture that 80s slasher thing they remember those movies are cheesy and so they make them intentionally cheesy but making them intentionally cheesy to me and it ends up feeling grating because that's not those original movies weren't shooting for that tone they just happened upon it anyway so i I just i don't get it i've watched like three of them and i still don't get it i've tried day 11 oh man favorite horror comedy this is my this one was easy for me (laughs) this was one of my favorite categories and i'm afraid we picked (laughs) the same movie we may have my Uh, favorite horror movie comedy tucker and dale versus evil (laughs) we did pick this movie because (laughs) tucker and dale versus evil is one that i can rewatch over and over again it's still funny and just just the 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 idea that it's like oh my god it's so funny because the idea that you're watching something from like the you know dumb teens perspective and you're like oh they're really creepy you know like creepy slashers and then you (laughs) see it from their perspective and they're just two like really nice dudes that just want to go hunting and stuff together it's so well they bought that cabin good (laughs) it's so good and so funny it's i could watch it like 15 times it's one of my favorite horror comedies number 12 or day 12, excuse me, most disturbing horror film. That one was really hard for me because I can't uh, think of very many uh, horror movies that have disturbed me to the point where I was just uncomfortable for like a day or so. But Mm -hmm. uh, I ended up going with The Strangers, the original, because it did for several days. I was afraid to be in the house by myself, and it just made me so sad because it's just all nihilistic and bleak and spoilers 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 you know the whole thing about at the end where they were like why are you doing this and they're you know the killer said because you were home Ugh, was not a fan i'm still not a fan of it i liked the second one it was still nihilistic and horrible and they really focused on some of those deaths way too much but it was still more fun than the original and the original is is not one that i can revisit i've only watched it once and that was enough for me and it disturbed me quite a bit I I went with a different one. I went with Eyes of My Mother, which I don't want to talk about a lot because we're going to do an episode on it, but oh man. Uh the 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 beginning of the movie and I won't go much beyond that. It's it starts with a girl who's home with her mom and this guy shows up and asks if her parents are home, if her dad's home, I guess. And he goes in and murders her mom. He was in the middle of murdering her mom still when her dad came home and he understandably freaks out, gets mad and just beats the fuck out of the guy and knocks him out. And then they don't decide to murder him. They tie him up. They chain him up in like the barn and the daughter decides to sort of keep him as a pet and it gets super fucked up from there. <laughs> like it was already like, oh, that's that's weird and then like more things kept happening and i would go oh oh okay (laughs) all right oh and so by the end of it i was like man that was woof day 13 favorite zombie movie i waffled on this one but i ultimately went with pontypool which is a canadian horror movie and it's not your traditional zombie movie. In fact, you could argue that it's not a zombie movie, sort of. It's 
It's about this um, radio host in Canada who goes from the big city, I think I think he goes from Toronto to this little town called Pontypool. And he's known for saying like provocative things on the air and like getting a reaction and to, to sort of squish his style into this small town life is sort of like a bad fit for him and he's, he's having a hard time of it. And while he's on the air, suddenly what seems like a zombie apocalypse breaks out outside. And a solid chunk of the movie is told almost entirely in the recording studio. Like, he's on the air with people trying to get word on what is happening. So he's, like, taking calls. People are calling in and describing what's happening. And somehow the description is worse than seeing what's going on. Hearing someone describe, like, an art, like a whole bunch of people flipping over a car to get to someone feels so much worse than seeing it happen. Mm-hmm. And there's just this powerless helplessness that, that comes with them being trapped in this studio. And then it gets a little bit weird. And sort of the way the zombies function, the way that the virus functions, is very, very odd and interesting. I had a hard time with this one because I don't remember watching a lot of zombie movies because I'm not a huge fan of the zombie concept. But I ultimately went with an oldie but a goodie, and that one is uh, Night of the Living Dead, the original. It's really good. Day 14, favorite indie horror movie. And I know that this is something near and dear to your heart because you like a lot of indie horror. And so I think I'll let you take this first, unless you want to know what I picked, because I'm curious if we picked the same one. Possibly. My favorite indie horror movie that I chose was American Mary. Oh, we did not pick the same one. Listen to our episode about American Mary and Repo. It's good. American Mary is good. Repo. Repo is also good. (laughs) (laughs) Listen to the episode. You'll hear the most epic (laughs) rant that I've ever went on ever. Anyway, good. Good choice, American Mary. My favorite indie horror movie was It Follows. If you've never seen it, it's just really good. And it freaked me out. I mean, not like a lot, but it did freak me out a little bit. We went to go watch it in theaters together, you and me and uh, right. your wife. And and uh, it was just really good. It has an interesting concept where the thing, whatever it is, it is like always following you and kills you. And the really the only way to beat it is to have sex with somebody and pass it on to somebody else. And in that way, it's kind of like an STD. But it also is like taking the act of sex, which is usually in horror movies treated as a very cavalier concept you know like oh sex is just something that everybody does and you do it with everybody you know and it makes it very serious choice like who do i want to have sex with because this person may ultimately die you know uh if they can't pass it on to somebody else and do you want it to be somebody that you care about or do you just want it to be some asshole you know and so Mm -hmm. it's very interesting this this idea it brings in this idea of of sexual sexual choice that's very interesting, uh, but also it's just really creepy because the thing that follows you always just looks like a normal person or somebody that you know, and they just walk at a very steady, even pace behind you. And so, and then we went to Target after watching this movie, and everybody walks at a steady, even pace in Target because they're trying <laughs> to buy shit. And so, the whole time we were walking around in Target, I was like, oh my God, it's freaking me out. All these people walking behind me. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, I loved it a lot. It has a great soundtrack. Great, great movie. It follows. Everybody should watch it. 
Day 15, favorite monster movie. You go. Okay, favorite monster movie? I went with The Descent. (laughs) (laughs) Because I did not think of them as vampires. Uh, I thought of them as cave monsters. And it's a freaking great movie. It is. Tense as hell. Uh, my favorite monster movie that I chose was one that I had watched recently and I kind of had fun watching it and that's Chud or uh, Cannibalistic Humanoid Underground Dwellers. You do see the monsters, you know, eventually, but they kind of keep them hidden and so it's... it's I, I liked it a lot. I mean, it's cheesy and goofy and the ending is just kind of strange, but there are some very tense moments and you're like, what is going on? I, I enjoyed it a lot. Day 16, horror movie with a great soundtrack. I don't have much to say about this because I am not a, a music person. Like, I like music. I just don't have like the, vo- the vocabulary or the academic background to be able to speak much to it besides, yeah, it sounds good. <laughs> uh, so my choice for... Favorite horror movie with a or horror movie with a great soundtrack is It Follows. Ooh, has great, great throwback synth score through the whole thing, and it's really good, really good. This was a really hard one for me because there are so many horror movies, ones that we've talked about on this show, especially that have great scores and soundtracks. But ultimately, I realized that you know. Horror movies with great soundtracks, they can also include musicals. And if I'm going to call something a great soundtrack, it's going to be something that I can listen to the soundtrack over and over and over again and love it and never get bored. <laughs> the one you that finally I- came around on Repo's Janet Opera. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> the one that I picked, the one that I ended up going with, was Little Shop of Horrors. It's oh. so good it's so good if you like disney musicals you would love this one day 17 favorite 80s horror movie Ooh, this was a tough one for me because there are so many great 80s horror movies but ultimately i went with one that i have loved ever since the first time that i watched it was made in the 80s and it will forever be one of my favorite 80s horror movies and that's killer clowns from outer space Yes. (laughs) It's so good. It's goofy. And it also is actually kind of scary sometimes, you know. And it is perfection. It is. It's so good. It should never be remade. There should probably be a sequel as long Uh, as. Yes, I was about to say the Chiodo brothers should definitely finally follow through on their sequel. Please, Chiodo brothers, do this for us. Uh, And they still have all the original stuff. And so it would basically still look the same. I went with the thing. Ooh. The John Carpenter movie. I almost picked that, too. And Creepy-ass movie. Ugh, so amazing good. special effects. Kurt Russell's amazing in it. <laughs> uh, it's just so good. I, I, I love me a claustrophobic paranoia movie. Like the sequence where the thing assimilates the dog. The sequence where the thing, like, the head drops off and mm-hmm. grows spider legs and crawls off somewhere. I was like, oh, man, it's just so good. It's everything I love about 80s horror. Ugh, good choice. Day 18, favorite black and favorite white black horror. And white horror movie. Oh, this one also was really hard because there's so many, so many black and I'm white ready. horror movies that I have seen that I love. What'd you pick? Oh, I ended up <laughs> going with Psycho. Yeah, yeah. Psycho. <laughs> Hell yeah. Is that what you went with? Yes, it is. <laughs> so good. Uh, 
It's so I good. I knew you were going to pick it, and I was like, don't care, picking it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I could have picked, like, The Wolfman, or Frankenstein, or Dracula, uh, Night of the Living but Dead. Psycho. But also, Psycho is just so good. It's one of my favorite black and white movies and one of my favorite horror movies. Even though it didn't really, like, scare me much as a kid, it's just really good. And the fact that you end up, like, siding with Norman through basically the whole movie, even up till the end, like, I still felt bad for him because it's almost like he has no autonomy. He's just controlled by his mother, you know? Yeah. Day 19, best use of gore. This one was hard for me. You do your pick. So, best use of gore, I almost went with The Thing, but I I wanted to do that for a favorite or 80s horror movie. So, best use of gore, I chose Slither from the 2000s James Gunn movie starring Nathan Fillion and um, Elizabeth Banks about these creepy, weird slug things that fall to Earth from outer space and start attacking people. In a way, it has almost a similar setup, not actual premise or like follow-through, but a setup to Men in Black in that this alien lands and a farmer goes out to inspect it and then ends up being infected by that thing. In this one, um, Michael Rooker gets infected by this creepy slug thing and starts like transforming throughout the movie and becoming more and more grotesque. And it's Oh, it's it's so gross. It is <laughs> amazingly gross. I love it so much. So goopy. So much fun. <laughs> um, it's funny that you mentioned that uh, because for best use of gore, I went with The Thing from 1982. Yeah. Because I remember uh, we watched that movie together not too long ago. Uh, it was uh, when I when I first moved up here. And um, yeah, it was really good. So there's just some gross gross stuff in there and that all the practical effects still look really good look so good it just they did they pulled it out man for the next couple in in two instances at least it doesn't ask for a specific era movie it asks for an aspect and so therefore we chose both an aspect and then a movie to illustrate that aspect so day 20 is favorite horror character oh yeah who did you go with I went, I feel bad about it, okay? But I went with probably the most cliched answer possible, and that's Freddy Krueger. <laughs> uh, Mr. Krueger. Man good. of my heart. Yeah. And the movie that I chose was Nightmare on Elm Street 2, actually, <clears throat> which is an odd one because it is the one where he acts the least like Freddy Krueger mm-hmm. in that he, like, none of the rules that they set up in the later movies apply. He does affect dreams, but it's more like he, they like brought him into the real world at times, and he the way he u- enters the real world is like using Jesse as a gateway. The, the gay subtext is endlessly fascinating, <laughs> and that is definitely a part of why I like it. it. It very much speaks to me on that level, but beyond that, the first one and the second one are the only ones where I would argue that Freddy is like genuinely intimidating the third one strikes a very nice balance of like horror fantasy adventure and freddy is definitely intimidating and scary but you can see the beginnings of freddy being funny Mm -hmm. and the first two he's just scary he's just like i'm here to kill and it's it's scary he doesn't tease he doesn't mock he's just there to to fuck your day up and I, i love the second one People hate it because of the... I, I, I think that low-key, people hate the second one 
because of the gay subtext. I think that they don't like it because of some like latent societal homophobia. Mm-hmm. Like they see the gay subtext and they're like, ha gay people. That's hilarious. <laughs> but like, if you approach the movie on its own terms, it's really good. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and that's my spiel. So for favorite horror character, I went with Norman Bates because I think he is endlessly fascinating with all of his mommy good issues. Boy. And um, I, I don't have mommy issues, but I am very close to my mom. And so I can identify with that a little bit. Uh, but the movie, if I were to go with anyone other than the original Psycho to exhibit Norman Bates fascinating qualities as a character would be Psycho 4 just because it's really good. Day 21, best horror franchise. What did you ultimately decide to go with? So this is where I would have put Nightmare on Elm Street, except that I would argue, controversially, that there is a better horror franchise, and that is Hellraiser. (laughs) I figured you might go with Hellraiser. (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street is a good horror franchise, a great horror franchise, but it is not consistent. Yeah. Um, Freddy Krueger steadily becomes more and more cartoony, so that by the end, the Freddy Krueger that you see in Freddy's Dead yeah. and the Ugh. Freddy Krueger you see in the first one are very, very different characters. Hellraiser is also not entirely consistent. There are bad movies and there are good movies, but for the first probably six or seven entries, it's solid. Each of them is interesting and approaches the Cenobite lore in an interesting and different way until you get to, like, 8 and 9, and both of those are garbage, and 10 was (laughs) stupid, too. So, like, the last three entries haven't been great, but those first, like, 6 or 7 are mostly pretty solid. Some of them get a little weird. Not all of them stick their landings, but they all try something interesting. The Hellraiser movie that I actually picked, weirdly enough, is Hellraiser 2, because... Is that called Hellbound? Yes. Hellraiser 2, Hellbound, is interesting in that uh it's a little bit more budget they kind of get to explore the cenobites world and julia was frank's sort of mistress and Mm -hmm. my god she is amazing and they let her just go (laughs) full queen horror villainous it's oh she's so good and one of my favorite things about two is that the main character from Hellraiser, which I'm blanking on right now, in the second one, she's in an asylum, which makes sense. That's the best setup to a horror sequel. Your character experienced earth-shattering horror. Of course she went to an asylum after that. Uh, It's funny because I did put Nightmare on Elm Street (laughs) (laughs) as my favorite horror franchise because I like the campy aspect of Freddy, which obviously a bunch of people do. And well, I yeah, know you that's do why it too. became so popular. Um, exactly. Uh, and if I were to pick a movie to watch that day to exemplify the franchise, I would pick Nightmare on Elm Street for the Dream Master because I liked the story and it's very fun. It's a very fun movie to watch. I almost went with Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors, which is really good and still has some scary, gross moments, you know? And, you know, Freddy has some some campy moments in it, and it brings back Heather Lincoln Camp, you know, and all that stuff, but ultimately went with Nightmare on Elm Street 4 just because there's more funny Freddy. And to me, that ultimately, like, epitomizes the series, is, like, Freddy is very cheeky. Day 22, best death scene. Spoiler, 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 spoilers. 
Um, I had a really hard time with this one because I couldn't decide if I wanted to showcase like a funny death scene that I was like, yeah, they deserved it. Or a really sad death scene or what. So uh, ultimately, I went with one that I felt like captured both of those aspects in a very intriguing way for me and was also disturbing. It was like equal parts. And so I picked LG's death from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 because he gets (laughs) dragged down to like the underground slaughterhouse thing. And then he gets skinned and Stretch has to like wear his face. And then, you know, she's trying to escape and she realizes he's still alive and he wakes up long enough to like, you know, say stuff to her. And it's very funny because she says goofy things like, they got you too, LG. And, you know, (laughs) that kind of stuff. But then it's also like really sad because he's like missing all this skin and he's just trying to make sure that she makes it out you know and And she like puts his face back on him to try to give him that final moment of dignity Mm -hmm. poor lg i went with something like a death scene that's still stuck with me since i've seen it and oh it's so sad and it's spoiler 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 spoilers amanda's death scene in the final girls oh the main character's mom goes out and does a sort of not it's not really a striptease but she does sort of a a dance to to attract the killer the the jason stand-in in order to give them time to get away and i think it's to usher in the final act of the movie because um everyone has to die except the virgin before they can defeat the bad guy and she knows that she has to die but as she does it she does this dance but she doesn't do it for a boy she watches her it's not technically her daughter but they have a special bond because she knows that she's a fictional character and she knows that this girl is the daughter of the actress who played her and so there's this odd almost mother-daughter bond between them and it's heartbreaking yeah like i watched i looked it up on youtube again just to watch it before i did this just to make sure that i remembered it right and like i was just sobbing as i watched (laughs) it because it's so sad Day 23. Great horror quote. I'm going to go ahead and jump in. (laughs) This one was easy for me. I knew it immediately as soon as I saw it. It's Fuck You Lucky Charms from Leprechaun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The best last line of a movie. Oh my god, that's such a badass. That's a cosmic (laughs) final line. Um, It's... (laughs) I ultimately went with um, Welcome to Primetime, bitch, from (laughs) Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. And I stand behind that quote because it's like the, it was an improv line, it made it into the movie, and it perfectly encapsulates Freddy's whole aesthetic of campy, dark humor, you know, it's great. That's why I didn't pick number three for best horror franchise. I was about to say, because... Four is okay, but three is really the pinnacle of the franchise. (laughs) I disagree. I really like four and five. I don't remember if I liked five more than four, but there was a great sequence in one of those two um, where the same thing happens over and over again, like three or four times. They're stuck in like a time loop. Yeah, I like that. I know. It's so good. And the first time it happened... I had no idea that's what was happening. I thought there was something wrong with the disc. And I was like, didn't we already see this scene? Like, that just happened, like, not very long ago. And then it happened again. And then it happened again. And then they realized that it happened again. And I was like, oh, my God, that's so good. And it's in one of those two. Day 24. 
horror movie character that describes you? Mm, this was a really tough one for me, mainly because I don't often identify with a lot of horror movie characters, I guess. But I ended up choosing Lawrence Talbot from The Wolfman. I felt like he's just put into a situation that he never asked for, and then he has to deal with it, which I can identify with, like, my issues with anxiety and stuff. I have this thing that I constantly have to deal with, never asked for it, never really wanted it, but it's a thing. And also, anxiety can kind of be inherited, and so I feel like I've also inherited it. You know, he he has all these expectations from his parents, too, because he's inheriting the estate and he has to get married and do all this other stuff. They have all these expectations and he doesn't really meet up to those, you know, as much Mm -hmm. as they want him to. I think that character pretty much encapsulates also me, although I'm not a werewolf. So that we know of. (gasps) That's true. (laughs) So so first. The one that came to mind was Randy, the guy who knows too much about horror movies. And the reason I didn't want to go with that one is because every guy that is into horror movies thinks he's Randy. Mm-hmm. All of them. Everyone yeah. wants to be the wisecracking know-it-all. So instead, Ig perished from horns. Here's why. When he gets the horns, everyone starts confessing their darkest secrets to him. And that happens to me all the time, and I don't know why. Something about my face and demeanor, it's like a sign that says, tell me about your problems. Mm -hmm. Because people will just go in-depth into things about their life with me. Recently, relatively recently, I was in a store, and this guy walked up and kind of insulted me. Like, he saw I was wearing, like, a flat cap. And he was like, nice Yankee cap. That's, That's what we call them, is Yankee caps. And I was like, okay thanks and then i guess he realized he pissed me off a little bit and then he just proceeded to start to tell me his life story about how he lived in the area his entire life where he used to grow up where he's moved to like literally i was in the store for like 30 minutes trying to figure out a way to leave and like get out of this conversation because i had no idea who this guy was he just walked up and started talking to me and so it perishes struggle with people just telling him shit oh my god that felt very personal Yep. I I have that same problem, too. Maybe it just runs in our family. Because uh, that happens to face. me all the time. Like, <laughs> people will tell me things, and they'll be like, I don't know why I said that. I've never told anybody that before. And I'm like, I don't know either. I wish you hadn't. <laughs> Day 25, favorite Christmas slash holiday horror movie. This was not a tough one for me, and I hope we didn't pick the same one. But even if we did, I would understand, because it's amazing. We probably did. What'd you pick? Krampus? Yep. Yeah, That's what I picked. It's great. (laughs) I watch it every year for Christmas. Last year, me and uh, my mom, we watched it together. Like, as soon as I went down to visit her for Christmas break, I was like, we should watch a horror movie, or we should watch a Christmas movie. What do you want to watch? And I was like, Krampus! And so we watched Krampus. Still good. Every year. Such a good movie. All right. So, day 26, horror movie for a chicken. I had a really really hard time with this one me too so if i understand it right it's somebody that doesn't generally like horror movies but you want to introduce them to like the horror concepts without scaring them to death yes okay what did you pick i have two Ugh. i couldn't i know i couldn't figure out how to approach it One of the ways I could approach it was horror comedy. One of the ways I could approach it was children's movie. 
(laughs) I wasn't sure which one to go with. So I went with horror comedy, What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, It's amazing. It's hilarious. It introduces a lot of horror concepts in that there are vampires and there are werewolves. However, it's not particularly, it's not like intense, really. It's, It's just mostly funny and like absurd and silly. So my other option was Paranorman, which is weirdly creepy at times, even though it's a children's movie. It introduces a lot of the horror concepts that are there, zombies and witches. It's it, it's so smartly written by people who clearly love horror that there are lots of horror references in it. So that's the other one I went with. Cool. I just picked one because I'm not a cheater. And the one that I ended up going with was Creepshow because um, I actually tried it out a couple of weekends ago because one of my friends is not really into horror movies, you know? Like, we went to go watch A Quiet Place, and I thought it was great. And I didn't think it was particularly scary, but I was enthralled by the action. And that movie scared them. And so I was like, maybe they're not a big horror movie person. And so we watched Creepshow, and they thought it was very funny, but also introduced them, you know, to some horror movie concepts, you know, like there's the one with Jordy. Is that his name? Jordy. It's very funny, but it has a very dark and sad ending. And mm-hmm. uh, there's the one with uh, Leslie Nielsen and Ted Danson, which is really good. It's I, So I think that's a good one. A horror movie for a chicken that's very much shot and made like a horror movie and has a lot of horror aspects because it has like gore and stuff like that. But it's also not very serious and is funny at times. Mm-hmm. And so, that's a good one. Guilty pleasure horror. I was going to say, is this a horror movie that you like even though you know it's not good, but you still enjoy watching it? Yes, basically. Okay. And what I went with is Repo the Genetic Opera. <laughs> Shut up, it's amazing. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Good choice. Um, <laughs> I ended up uh, going with Cursed from 2004. Wes Craven's Cursed, I guess. Because uh, I guess it's directed by Wes Craven and written by Kevin Williamson. Oh, yeah. And uh, it's goofy. I call it a guilty pleasure movie because it's not a great werewolf movie. And it's not one of Kevin Williamson's better scripts. But it has uh, Christina Ricci and Jesse Eisenberg. And it has some very funny moments. And oh, holy shit. It does have Jesse Eisenberg, doesn't yes, it? Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and so I enjoy it. I enjoyed it a lot when I first watched it. Because I thought it was very funny and, you know, at the time it seemed like kind of like Scream, except there was like almost no dark aspect to it. But it has some gory moments in it, too, you know. And so every time I watch it, I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like this movie. And then I still end up enjoying it. Day 28. Horror film you'd like to see remade. That's a tough one, because generally I do not like remakes, but sometimes there's a concept that's so intriguing that you would like to see what a more, you know, modern interpretation, and by modern interpretation I mean like, you know, modern filmmaking techniques would do to contribute to the story. And so the one that I went with was Carnival of Souls, and technically it has been remade in the 90s. Uh, but it was a terrible remake, and no one liked it. Um, so I'd like to see somebody do an actual good remake of Carnival of Souls, because even the original is still creepy and creepy weird. Creepy shit. Man. Yeah, and I so love I'd love to see somebody do a remake um, that has that same atmosphere and creepiness and stuff. For mine, I want to see a reboot, a new take on Nightmare on Elm Street. I know it just had one, 
in like 2006, but that one kind of sucked. Um, yeah. Through no fault of Jackie Earl Haley's, who, as I said in the episode, you can go back and watch the episode that uh, where my wife guested on our show uh, to get like more in depth. But um, Jackie Earl Haley was great in that movie, but the script clung too faithfully to the original to the point where there were it was just recycling things from the first movie but doing them worse. I would love to see someone try and just do like a legitimate reimagining. Take the same concept, take Freddy Krueger, and then otherwise, do what you want. For a while, people were talking about how they, they wanted Kevin Bacon to play Freddy Krueger, and even Kevin Bacon said he would he would be happy to play Freddy Krueger, and good goddamn shit would that not be a great Nightmare <laughs> on Elm Street movie if Kevin Bacon were Freddy Krueger? He's got range, man. He's he funny. Does. But he also has, like, intensity. Man, he mm-hmm. would be such a good Freddy Krueger. I agree. Day 29, worst horror movie. I ended up choosing Manos, The Hands of Fate. Because it is supposed to be a horror movie. And it's easily one of the worst movies ever made. It's so bad that when they did it on Mystery Science Theater 3000, there was almost nothing for them to riff and joke about. Because it's just that bad. It is. It is. So it's very slow. Bad. Like their jokes, are, like kind of take a long time to get coming. Yeah, because, because there's just nothing to say. Yes, exactly. Like there's nothing to riff on. It's just bad. So for my pick, Tusk by Kevin Kevin James Kevin James <laughs> Kevin Williams Kevin Smith. There it is. It's one of the Kevins. <laughs> Kevin Federline. Uh, there are a lot of Kevins. Anyway, so Kevin Smith's Tusk. I hated this movie. I wanted to like it. I tried to like it. And I went into it with such high hopes. Like, I wasn't expecting a serious movie. It's a movie about a man who gets surgically turned into a walrus. I was not going into the movie expecting The Exorcist, you know? Mm-hmm. But there were times where the body horror felt very visceral. And then it would hard cut to Johnny Depp and Spectre Clues sewing it up, and I just, <laughs> like, the tones did not mesh, and so I couldn't get on board with it. Every time that I would get like, all right, it's funny now, then it would turn really dark and serious, and I was like, fuck, that was really dark for comedy, and then it would, like, I, I would get used to, like, the dark tone, and I'd be like, all right, so it's, it's like, dark with some funny moments, and then it would just, like, cl- like, Clouseau Depp would be like, oh, we are tracking the guy. And I was like, all right, so pick a tone. Pick a movie that you want to make. Do one of them. Day 30, favorite werewolf movie. My favorite one, if I had to choose, would be the original Wolfman from 1941. That's also why, uh, I guess, on the the one that I answered, Lawrence Talbot from The Wolfman, um... Uh, if I, I guess if I was going to pick a movie in that one, it would be Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. But for favorite werewolf movie, it's going to be The Wolfman from 1941. And it's just because it's really good. And it initiated so many aspects of the Wolfman werewolf concept, you know, into mm-hmm. the Hollywood lore that it, it's just one of my favorites. And I even went back and rewatched it a while back on Blu-ray. And it's still good. It's one of the best universal classics Favorite werewolf movie for me? Late Phases. Yep. I love that movie. Knew that was coming. <laughs> That's why I picked it. Is it is really good. Yeah. And day 31. 
all-time favorite horror movie. Yeah, if we're going by days, I don't generally watch a lot of horror movies on Halloween. I watch Halloween movies on Halloween. And so when I wrote it down, I wrote it down as favorite all-time horror or Halloween movie, especially if I'm going to watch it on Halloween. And I picked, I had like three different movies depending on what avenue you wanted to go through. <laughs> the movie, it's not a horror movie, but I watch it every year on Halloween, and I always will, is Hocus Pocus, because it is, like, the best Halloween movie ever. It's officially the beginning of fall, when I can watch Hocus Pocus and not feel weird, and it's one of my favorite movies to ever watch on Halloween. It's not my favorite horror movie, but for a, like, more scary, campy movie that I would watch on Halloween, it would have to be the movie Trick or Treat, because it is both funny and spooky. All-time favorite horror movie for me? In the Mouth of Madness. <laughs> not a hard one for you, because I know that you love that movie so The movie is great. I, I am a sucker for horror movies that play with the concept of what is real. One of the things I love about it is that it, it's an obvious sort of spoof on Stephen King and on H.P. Lovecraft, where, like, this New England horror writer is, like, monumentally popular, and the publisher wants Sam Neill to go basically hunt this guy down and get his latest manuscript because it's late, and the guy's just sort of stopped responding. And in the process of hunting him down sort of ends up in the fictional town that Sutter Kane wrote about. It would be like if we went looking for Stephen King and ended up in Castle Rock, Maine. <laughs> and as the movie goes on, you sort of watch these plots from his different books play out in real life, and it gets trippy, and it gets weird, and that's our 31 days. It won't take long, uh, but I have... Just to cap off and sort of like celebrate the Halloween season and because there's a new Halloween movie coming out, topical, I thought I would play a game <laughs> called Real Shit or Fake Shit. What I'm going to do, we're going to go through the Halloween movies. I'm going to give you a tagline and you got to determine, is it real shit or is it fake shit? Oh my. All right. I haven't seen all of the Halloween movies. So. That's okay. We're just looking at taglines. <laughs> not We're not looking at synopses. Just, is this a real tagline or not? So, Halloween 1978. The tagline, the night he came home. Is that real shit or is it fake shit? That's real shit. That's right. That's real shit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember that from the poster. So, Halloween 2, 1981. More of the night he came home. Real shit or fake shit? Ugh. I want to say fake shit, but it's probably ended up... It's probably going to be real shit. <laughs> What's your final answer? Uh, I'm going to say fake shit. That's real shit. More yeah, of the night he came right. home. Because <laughs> it technically takes place yeah. the same night as the first one. Yeah. I do I do remember that. I just was like, surely they wouldn't be dumb enough to use that as the tagline. But yeah, they would. It's... Yep. Halloween 3, Season of the Witch, 1982. The night he didn't come home. Oh my god. Real shit or fake shit? Fake shit. It is fake shit. However, <laughs> the one of the real taglines was the night no one comes home. <laughs> god damn it. <laughs> Uh, it's like the same guy thinking of <laughs> taglines, and he was like, I, I, I don't know, uh, uh, 
uh, no one comes home. <laughs> like I got I, the first two were easy. This these are getting harder. Halloween Four: The Return of Michael Myers from 1988, the night he came back again. Oh my God! Real shit or fake shit? <sighs> is it real shit? It is not. It is fake shit. God damn it! There were there are two examples that are similar. One is horror has returned to Haddonfield, and the other one is just he's back. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers, 1989. He's back with a vengeance. Oh, real shit. That's real shit. It sure is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers from 1995. Six times the terror, six times the fear, six times the thrills. Oh, man. Oh, that's a tough one. I'm going to say real shit. That is real shit. (laughs) Also, I just want to point out that the tagline is 666. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I got that when you were reading it. I was like, oh, surely it can't be. It is. It is. Uh, Halloween H2O, 20 years later, from 1998. The ending of a 20-year grudge. Real shit. Nope, that's fake shit. God damn it! <laughs> no! <laughs> there, here are some actual taglines, though. 20 years ago, he changed the face of Halloween. Tonight he's back. The face of pure evil is back for Laurie Strode, 20 years later. And then my favorite, trick or treat, kill or die, it's that time <laughs> of year again. okay halloween uh what is this seven eight whatever halloween resurrection from 2002 the night he came back Mm. real shit that's real shit yep (laughs) halloween 2007 the this is the first of the remakes Mm -hmm. why did he come home fake shit (laughs) that's right Yes, that's fake shit. However, the the taglines were the face behind the mask and evil unmasked. <laughs> Halloween 2 from okay. 2009. Does he ever stop coming home? <laughs> mm, I'm going to say fake shit. Yeah, that's fake shit. Um, the real tagline is family is forever. Yeah, I do remember that one. And Halloween 2018. <laughs> blood is thicker than water. Real shit or fake shit? Uh, I'm going to say fake shit. Ooh, yes, you are technically correct. That is fake shit. The real tagline for 2018 is face your fate. However, blood is thicker than water was a tagline for Halloween H2O. (laughs) I was kind of hoping to throw you with that one because in the new Halloween, he's not related to Laurie. Yeah, it ignores the second one. It just picks right up after the first one. Yep, that's right. Basically. I knew that. I listen to shockwaves. I do my homework. <laughs> so you were not going to trip me up with that one. This has been another edition, or I guess a first edition, of real shit <laughs> or fake shit. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic. Okay, I think that just about does it. Thank you very much for being here today, Brandon. Yep, thank you. You can follow us on Twitter at eerie underscore earfuls. Email us at eerie.earfuls at gmail.com. Visit us on the web at eerieearfuls, all one word, dot wordpress.com. 
You can subscribe to us on CastBox and iTunes. Give us a review. It helps other people find the show, and it lets us know how we're doing. Our theme music is Baba Yaga by Kevin McLeod. Our synopsis music is Anxiety and Night of Chaos, also by Kevin McLeod. Find more music at Incompetech.com. Thank you for listening, and stay scared, everyone. And happy Halloween. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy Halloween. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Happy, uh, ha- happy Halloween. Yeah, whatever. Happy Halloween. Fine. You fuck it. Fuck. <laughs>